Hey everybody, Dave Hagen here. Today I want to talk about what Warren Buffett says it takes to be successful. He says it takes one syllable. And Steve Jobs agreed. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast. I'm David Hagan, coming to you from beautiful downtown Van Nuys. With me today, as always, Mr. Brian Reed. Welcome. It's good to be here, Dave. Oh, How are you? You're calm. You're mellow today. <laughs> I'm calm. I'm cool. I'm collected. You want to uh, tell us uh, how your week went? No. No? <laughs> uh, okay. Mo- uh, moving on. <laughs> no. You know, when when I think about a successful CEOs like, like Warren Buffett, it, it's hard to imagine how they have time for it all. How do they do all that. You know, I heard that that Buffett reads as many as 500 pages a day, and yet he's one of the most successful investors worldwide, and millions of other traders look up to him. He's worth, what, $81 billion. We said a couple episodes that he was third, fourth richest man in the entire world. How does he get all of it done in a 24-hour period of time. And and by the way, I've you know, I've I've seen him at things and he's calm, cool, he's relaxed. He's playing cards with Bill Gates. Calm guy. How does he get that all done? Well, according to Warren Buffett, it all comes down to one thing. I'll give you a quote. The difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. Is that why you just told me no, Brian? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, I can see how this is going to go. Let's uh, let's move on. (laughs) How can saying no get you to more of more anything, more revenues, more clients, more opportunities? I mean, to it seems to me to make things go right, to do more of all that, you need to say... Yes, right? No. No. All right. (laughs) I'm going to keep doing this. (laughs) Well, I think saying no actually eliminates distractions and allows you to focus on other things that that matter most. But but it isn't easy, it seems to me. No. Oh, I thought I had you say something. I asked you a question where you're going to have to say yes, and you still said no. You're killing me, Larry. You're killing me. You know, I, I think a lot of it's, a matter of focus. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about these people, 2F. We called them 2F, financially focused people. We were talking about personal finance, and we were talking about people being frugal, and we thought that was kind of a negative, kind of crotchety-sounding term. And uh, Brian, you came up with uh, 2F, financially focused, right away. So I think it is a matter of focus. Saying no helps people focus. And, you know, if you think about it, Steve Jobs agreed. He said no to a college degree. Um, I thought our society thinks that that's kind of a questionable choice at best. But, 
He admitted in a commencement speech to Stanford in 2005 that, you know, it was pretty scary for him to do at the time, but he said no to a college degree, and I guess uh, the rest is, is history, you know. But he points out that that decision allowed him to focus, his word, by the way, on other things that he was passionate about. He said, the minute I dropped out and stopped talking about the required classes that didn't interest me and begin dropping in on the ones that looked far more interesting, the better he seemed to do. And in fact, Jobs pointed out in a commencement address, I think it was, as I recall, he said, I'm actually as proud of the things that we haven't done, he was talking about Apple at this point, as opposed to the things that I have done. He said, innovation is saying no to thousands of things. Kind of interesting. That's cool. I know when he came back to Apple, he looked at all the product lines that they had, and they had printers and eh, all sorts of stuff, and he said, we're going we're gonna to produce four products. And he put together a grid, and he says, we're going to do a mobile and a desktop version for individuals, and we're going to do a mobile and a desktop division for businesses. And that is our product line. And people thought he was crazy, but it worked. You know, it, it worked. So I think it's a matter of focus. I think it's a matter of saying, no, I think the same is true in volunteer organizations. You know, when, when a volunteer organization sees someone that can do things well, someone that gets work done, they keep giving them more tasks because, of course, they want to be more successful. They want to do more things. And they will consume you if you let them. And you need to be able to say, what, Brian? No. I like it. I like it. Be kind. Be kind. And, but only accept what's important to you. It, it's nice to be loved, but it's kind of a bummer to be, you know, run ragged. Um, because organizations will take advantage of you if you let them. You have to be able to say what, Brian? No. <laughs> nice. Actually, Dave, I'm going to jump in here. Because Go ahead. my uh, couple of buddies got me um, a yes and a no button from Staples. And the yes button would say yes in all kinds of funny ways, I'm assuming. Right. I never saw it because they shot a video of themselves destroying the yes button and they gave me the no button. And they said, you're going to start using this button, carry it with you everywhere. And before you get suckered into helping somebody else on something else, just press the button. Nicely played. There you go. Nicely Gotta played. say no. Yeah, yeah. I heard that Warren Buffett, Buffett was giving advice to some people one time on how to prioritize and how to be successful. And he said, make a list of the 10 things that you need to do. And everyone wrote down their, their list of 10 important things that they needed to do. And he says, now cross out the last seven. I just want you to focus on the first three. And again, Warren Buffett was thinking about focus. He was thinking about priority. He was thinking about spending your mental process on the things that were most important to you. Now, to our listeners, we're heading towards the end of the year, and you're starting to think, I hope, about next year's strategy, next year's goals. I hope you're starting to evaluate how you did this year and how you want to succeed next. And it's not too late to adopt this powerful mantra. That mantra is... No. When you just say no, just say no. Just say Wasn't no. that a? Uh, that was Nancy mod- Reagan. It was, but that was, was with drugs. drugs. Yeah. Well, you should say no to that too, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're you're juggling too many things and you're juggling too many responsibilities, you're liable to end up dropping them 
all. So think about what Warren Buffett did in terms of creating focus, a list of 10 things and scratching out seven. Think about the things that he said in terms of creating focus by saying no. Think about the fact that Steve Jobs actually agreed with him. Something to think about at the end of the year. This is Dave Hagan, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. As an additional bonus, each month, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, Brian, we have an audio email question. So if you would be so kind as to cue that up for us, go ahead. Hi, Dave. It's Chris from West Hills. Is, uh, is it a good idea to be incorporated? Oh, good question, Chris. I like that. Thank you for sending that in. Let's talk about a corporation for a minute. A corporation is a separate legal entity that is created that provides a bit of a liability shield potentially. Uh, interestingly enough, Brian, corporations were formed back when they were sending uh, expeditions off by boat to the New World. And the people who were on the boat had families that stayed at home. And the crown, the government, didn't want to be responsible if the boat fell off the end of the world to take care of those families. So they said, let's create a corporation. The corporation will own the boat. And if it falls off the end of the world, those guys are dead and we don't have to take care of their families. That's how they came up with the idea of forming a corporation. No lie. So they were passing the buck on to the uh, boat owners. Onto the, well, the corporation that the owned corporation the boat. boat. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, they still do that today. These <laughs> super tankers, they're all owned by a corporation, a single corporation, or maybe a couple, you know, a corporation mm -hmm. owns a couple tankers. The corporation has a ton of debt. And if the thing spoils up the, the Puget Sound, they go, well, all you can do is take the boat from us because it was uh, part of a corporation. So they're, they're still doing it, basic, a little different twist, but same, same basic kind of idea. Same so, trick, different same decade. Thing, yeah. So, Chris, a corporation will provide a little bit of a shield. Uh, of course, you're going to have to form it. That costs money. You're going to have to file separate tax returns. Most of the time, there's some exceptions to that. Talk to your accountant. But the corporation is a separate legal entity. And if something happens, they maybe can't come all the way back to you. Let's take a couple of examples. Let's say there's a, a corporation, you're doing business and you incorporate the business and the corporation signs a lease. And it turns out that the corporation can't complete the entire term of the lease. Or <clears throat> how about this? Last time we were talking about cars, let's say the corporation goes out and buys a car and it turns out can't pay for the balance of it. Well, their rights are only against the corporation and not you, unless you've personally guaranteed it. So the first thing you want to think about is if you incorporate don't necessarily guarantee stuff if you can help it. But the corporation is then responsible for that, and that provides a bit of a shield. Now, if you do something negligent, let's say you're operating uh, a car on behalf of the corporation and you go out and crash the car, 
Well, the corporation's liable because you're an employee. You're acting in the name of the corporation, but you're also independently liable for your own negligent acts. That's why you still carry car insurance. So a corporation isn't going to protect you from everything, only certain types of liabilities. Now, does a normal person who just walks up to work or drives to work every day, gets a paycheck, do they need a corporation? No, probably not. Probably not. Does someone who's got a small business with a storefront or someone that's developing software or someone that sells a product need a corporation? Yeah, probably worth the expenditure, probably worth the additional protection. But bear in mind, it's a separate legal entity and you're gonna have to take care of that entity. You're gonna have to make sure that you respect the corporate entity so that they don't try and get behind that entity and still hold you personally responsible for that kind of stuff. There's another reason that people form corporations. I mean, coming from Hollywood, entertainers will have corporations and that way the money for what they do is paid to the corporation and that way they can time their income sometimes a little bit. They can take expenses um, that they might not be able to deduct or write off and have those as corporate expenses. Um, it's a way of being able to move their money around in a little bit different fashion, hopefully, um, to their benefit. So um, some things to think about, about whether you need to incorporate, certainly some circumstances where you absolutely would want to incorporate. I remember them telling us in law school back in the day, if you manufacture ladders, people are falling off ladders all the time. If you manufacture ladders, you want to incorporate, right? <laughs> if you want to do something where you're driving something at a high speed, uh, you want to incorporate. You don't want that liability to spill back on you. But um, uh, think about that. Those are some things to think about when you're um, contemplating whether you need some kind of a corporation. Thanks for the call. I hope that helps a little bit. Brian, let's do uh, another email. Go ahead. We've got one from Marcus here, and he says, uh, I see that one of the presidential candidates is talking about UBI, which apparently is universal basic income. What is that? <laughs> Interesting. UBI is a concept that's been talked about more and more the last, oh, I don't know, three, four years. It's kind of radical, and people are uh, having a hard time getting used to it. But one of the presidential candidates, Andrew Yang in, in particular, um, is promoting that, and that's one of his primary uh, platform positions. Um, UBI is an idea of offering families a guaranteed payment each month with no questions asked. As long as they meet some specific criteria, you, you receive the money. So Yang's proposing that everybody in America get a guaranteed amount, well, every adult in America get $1,000 a month. No questions asked, we're just gonna give you $1,000 a month, which means a married couple would receive $24,000 a year from the government. Now some officials are, you know, or, or, or thought leaders are proposing less, some are more, but he is saying, we're just gonna give every adult in the United States $1,000 a month, and that would be a good thing. No! <laughs> no, I, no, I don't want the money. <laughs> this is a bad idea. <laughs> well, I guess unless you're getting the money, right? I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. Um, why would someone propose such a thing? I mean, do I dare say it kind of sounds like socialism? I can't even wrap my head around this. I didn't know this. No, when I, when I first, no, I mean, and he said it in the debates. I've heard him say it. I'm going, yeah, well, I think that went over everybody's head, but this is what he's proposing. And by the way, he says it in the nicest, thoughtful way. He's the nicest guy. I mean, you, you, this is the guy you'd want to have a beer with. He's funny. 
Um, he, he's Asian and he kids around about the fact that he can do math so well and stuff. Of course, that, that irritated a whole group of people. But he's actually a really nice guy. But this is, this is the proposal. Um, Elon Musk has even talked about the fact that this concept may be inevitable. Because as people are displaced by technology, they won't have jobs. And they're gonna, we're gonna need something so that those people don't become part of a disenfranchised group that would be part of a, um, you know, part of a revolution or something at some point. So I don't know, but, but why would they propose that? Well, I guess, I, I guess you could say, well, it's a, it's a good idea to have a, a baseline of income or a, a safety net. Um, Yang has said, look, you flush that additional money through the economy and the GNP is going to go up so much that there will be so much more in tax revenues collected that that will pay for the $1,000 a person a month. That basically we're just going to throw gasoline on the economic engine and watch it just like go faster and faster and faster. Has anybody put together a like a, a PowerPoint on this or a demonstration, some sort of a visual aid, because I'm, I'm, my brain is not. Right, when I heard this, I was going, no, that, that can't be. But the amount that we spend can't, I don't know, maybe it can, that's. I don't know. Somebody must have run the numbers. Well, I'm sure he did, because he's a, he's a pretty bright guy, but it, it doesn't, it seems kind of uh, weird to me. Um, I guess if everyone got a thousand dollars a month, they wouldn't have to work as hard to put food on the table and housing, and it would decrease the importance of work in our lives, or it would decrease the stress maybe that we have in our lives. Um, would you still have government assistance programs, I, welfare, as or is that it? You know, I know. I think you would. I think you'd have all the other programs. It's just that everyone would be getting a thousand bucks a month. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Don't you think it would reduce motivation? Now, I'm a, I'm a kind of a free market guy, you know? I think it would reduce motivation. People go, well, you know, I don't have to work as hard because I got that grand come in. I'm not going to starve, at least. I'll have food. Uh, you know, my wife and I will be, we'll be able to cover the rent, uh, you know, in, in some low end of town, and we'll be able to put food on the table. We'll be good. Wow. I, need, I need to do some reading on this. I think it would slow down our great economic engine. I mean, the, you know, the, our economy is one of the perhaps biggest forces in history. I mean, look, we, we outspent the, the Soviet Union into oblivion. And, and yet, we might run the risk of slowing that down. I don't know. What do you think? I want someone to, this Andrew Yang, please make a video. And explain <laughs> Show it. me something on, I want visuals, I want numbers. I'm going to need some Excel spreadsheets too, but put together the whole package and then I'll, I'll, uh, well, let's I'll consider do, this. Let's do this. Uh, I'm going to spend some time kind of uh, chasing this down. Maybe I'll be able to find you even a good, uh, a good YouTube and we'll, we'll sit there and, and figure it out together because it does seem kind of a, an alien concept. Ooh, pizza, beer, and... Uh, and a YouTube on UBI. Economic theory videos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the economic theory make more, more sense when you're, when you're sitting there having pizza and a beer, huh? Uh, but we'll chase this down in an episode maybe two, three weeks down the time. So uh, stay tuned and we'll see what we can put together. All right, we got time for one more email. You got one more in there in your 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 package there. Brian? We do. I'm not sure this is. Um, well, you know, I'm just going to read it and let you uh, give us your two cents, All Dave. Right. I'm probably one of your younger listeners. 
I'm entering my second year of college and I'm working part-time. My parents are paying for my tuition, so no student loans. The school wants me to declare a major, and I have absolutely no idea what that should be. Any advice? Thanks, Sean. Oh, absolutely, Sean. A couple of uh, comments, a couple of thoughts. First of all, your parents are paying for your tuition. That is so huge, I can't even begin to tell you how fortunate you are for that. No student loans. Most students are graduating with some student loans, and it does limit their options. In fact, some economists are saying that because there's more student loans in the country at this point than there is credit card debt, that that pile of student loan debt is slowing down or will slow down the economy because people can't afford to uh, buy a house. People can't afford to go out and think about a car. And it does affect your choice in terms of what you can do for a living because you're going to have to choose a higher income um, uh, living as opposed to something that may be of particular interest or a burning desire for you. So that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, Secondly, declaring a major is a very common decision that most people have to make. I remember I'm struggling with that um, just a couple of years ago when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those difficult life decisions. And I'm uh, sorry, did you mean years or decades? I'm sorry, which one was that? And, and thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> tough decision, tough thing that you got to make. But here's what I would do. I would, as Stephen Covey said in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I would begin with the end in mind. Take a look at where you want your life to end up. Where do you want to be at the end? And then what's it going to take to get you there? Are you going to want a job with a tremendous amount of fulfillment? Are you going to want a job that helps other people? Are you going to want a job that makes you a lot of money? What are going to be your goals? Maybe all three, who knows? But you need to think about the end particularly when you're looking at a major. Second, don't pick a major that has no particular usefulness. I mean, anthropology comes to mind. I'm sure there's many well-compensated anthropologists, but it doesn't strike me that there's a lot of jobs in anthropology out there. Um, think about majors that can be used against a, a, across a broad spectrum. Business. Business is great. Um, English. Um, is certainly something that's you know can be used a, a, across a broad spectrum, not something like um, speech. You know, when I was in college, there was a major of speech. Is there still a major for speech? I don't know. You don't know. I mean, that's like that was a major. That was a thing. How are you going to make money giving speeches? I guess unless you're you're asking for campaign contributions or something, right? Um, so um, pick some kind of a major that is going to help you get to where you want to be. Pick some kind of a major that is going to help you be extremely good at what you do. Pick a major that is going to enhance your innate strengths and abilities and interests. And then check it out. Most college students change their major. So don't think like once you've decided you're locked in for forever and ever. But think about these kinds of things. Think about where you're going to be. Think about where you want to be. Think about your strengths. Think about your weaknesses. And then check it out. Pick something out that is going to be of benefit to you. Because it seems to me that a college education used to be, hey, I I want to use that as a tool to enhance my career. Or I just want to become more fulfilled and spend four years having some fun. 
And I think that college is so expensive now that you really can't do the, the latter unless your parents are just willing to continue to throw money at your feet. I think parents are becoming uh, less and less uh, willing to do that unless, you know, um, you're an athlete wanting to get into a major university and they're willing to write um, uh, checks to, <laughs> to have you on the team. Um, so minor the, in Mandarin. Minor in Mandarin. I've, Foreign I've, language. I've talked like to some, some kids that, that have, um, you know, like, um, you know, Far Eastern studies with a minor in Korean. Well, I mean, that's all well and good, but that's going to have a very limited um, usefulness. Now, in some careers, it might be extremely important, but um, you're, you're kind of limited with some of those kinds of majors. So, so think about that. And don't let somebody, you know, push you into it. I remember back in the day, um, first day of college, I walked in and the, and the professor goes, uh, or the, the advisor who was a professor, uh, well, what's your major going to be? I said, oh, I don't know. What are you interested in? Well, you know, politics is kind of interesting to me. He goes, oh, well, then you got to be a pre-law. Well, he was also the pre-law advisor, right? you got to be a pre-law. And I go, uh, okay, I, that'll sound pretty good to the girls, I think, you know? So I said, okay, I'm a, I'm a pre-law. And then he's saying, well, you got to take all these classes. You know, you got to take constitutional law, blah, 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 blah. And you got to take golf. And I go, well, why do I got to play golf? Because <laughs> the lawyers play a lot of golf. You'll need to know how to golf. And so I walked out with a, like a minor in golf and a major in, in political science because I said I was interested in, in politics. So don't let someone tell you what you should do or what you want to do. Think it through. Go off to a park and walk around. Uh, put a, some headphones on and, and really think about it and kind of connect with yourself and then pick a major that's going to fill some of those requirements for you. Sean, I hope that helps. Good luck with that. And uh, what, three years you'll be walking out and uh, you'll have to get a real job. Good luck with that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to everybody that sends in those uh, emails and uh, the, the audio emails as well. We appreciate it. It gives us interesting things to talk about. Brian, I think that's about a wrap. I think so. All right, everybody. That's a wrap. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.